Welcome to the Millennial Success Stories podcast, a space for millennial women entrepreneurs, aspiring entrepreneurs, and those who dare to forge their own path. My name is Jackie Kossoff, and I'm a marketing strategist and Facebook ads expert, multi-passionate entrepreneur, writer, traveler, and history lover. The mission of this podcast is to uplift, inspire, and empower young women to create a life that reflects their own version of success. I believe in sharing our experiences so we may learn from one another and grow together as a community. In season four, I invite you to join us as we explore how to bring more ease and simplicity into our businesses so we may create and enjoy more success in all areas of our lives. If you're ready to invest in growing your business through the power of Facebook ads, I encourage you to sign up for a complimentary consultation where we'll have the opportunity to connect personally. Now, without any further ado, for those of you ready to write your own success stories, let us begin. And always remember, success has no age requirement. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Millennial Success Stories podcast. I am so excited to share this episode with you today. My guest for this episode is Nikkei Anani, and she is an entrepreneur, speaker, and consultant specializing in family business and legacy planning. She is also the founder of African Family Firms, which is a nonprofit that helps families of African descent with their business legacy planning. So speaking with Nike was so incredibly inspiring. Her journey and story through breaking through gender and race-based adversity, as well as the work that she has been able to do in the world from starting working with her own family to then helping other families. It was just incredibly inspiring. And we had such an amazing conversation talking about so many different topics. (laughs) But one of the things that really stood out to me was just how much she is able to focus on mindset for growth purposes. And that was something that was my biggest takeaway from this episode, but I am super, super excited to see what your biggest takeaways are. So before we get into the episode, I do want to invite you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you enjoy this episode or any of our other episodes. Writing reviews really helps us get in front of other listeners who could use some more inspiration in their own journeys. So thank you so much for all of your support with this podcast. It is greatly appreciated. And without any further ado, let's get into my conversation with Nikkei. Hi, Nikkei. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jackie. It's awesome to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you here. Um, (laughs) Okay, so let's have you kick us off. Uh, Tell us about yourself, a little bit about your business and and how you got to where you are today. Mm. Lord, um, the 90 second version or like the 90 minute version. Um, I am a succession specialist. I work with business owners to build legacy enterprises. So enterprises, businesses that would outlive the founders. A lot of the work that I do is really inspired by my personal journey. I am of Nigerian origin and I was, the year I was born, my parents started off our family business. So family businesses have been in my life, my whole life. Went to college in the UK. And my, my dad stayed back and continued to build out the, the family business and started off my career in, as a corporate tax um, CPA equivalent in the UK, which is not inspiring at all for me. Um, no offense to anyone that, that keeps them really excited, but that wasn't my idea of fun. 
And I ended up, as soon as I qualified and um, did three years at Deloitte, I moved back to Nigeria and worked with my father, hands-on in our family enterprise. So we had a construction business, a real estate development company, and an engineering consulting company. And I founded our family office to manage our investments, do the estate planning, to do the governance. And I ran that for 10 years. And it was during my experience on the ground in Lagos and Nigeria that I really became passionate about legacy enterprises and found that there were not there were no advisors on the ground in Lagos that were well versed in helping families like mine in navigating generational transition and there was no communities for families like mine to come together and really learn from each other what we were all going through and so dedicated myself to that space trained up as a family wealth advisor and a family business advisor and started helping my family navigate generational transition and started working with others in the space. And so it was very much an organic journey, started working with successors in this space about three years ago now. Amazing. Wow. But <laughs> I'm, I'm just like blown away. That's so, it just sounds so inspiring, like that you were able to take something that, you know, your, your family built and really find your purpose, like not just within that, but also with like helping others as well. Mm. So, yeah. I love yeah. That. I mean, it's been very fulfilling and purposeful, but it hasn't been the easiest of journeys because mm, <laughs> it's very pioneering. Um, never yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. Never is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's see, I definitely probably have a few questions just around your journey and, and sort of where, yeah, where you may be today. So I guess since you did mention challenges, what would you say were some maybe unforeseen challenges that you, that you had to overcome and sort of what did you learn from them? Me, mindset. Um, <laughs> there was a lot of, because I was doing something that hadn't been done before and was being pioneered, I really questioned myself and had huge imposter syndrome around the folks that were talking about family wealth and family legacies did not look like me. They were old white bankers flying in from Switzerland. And I just felt like I wasn't qualified to have this conversation at the very least and at the very most help families with the um, structures and the tools to help them navigate building legacy. And I had to do a lot of on learning, um, one of my favorite quotes is by Alvin Toffler, that the illiterate of the 21st century is not those that cannot read or write, but those that cannot learn, unlearn and relearn. And I had to do a lot of unlearning and ask myself deep questions as to why I thought I wasn't qualified. And the answers I would tell myself is my age, my race and my gender. And all three of those just in my, you know, through careful objective reflection, I realized just were not valid excuses not to pursue this career path. Yes, I was relatively young, but I had grown up in a family business and lived it and founded a family office and ran it for 10 years. I had the inside, deep inside experience and the clout operating a business on the continent and understood my market in a way that um, an advisor sitting in Switzerland just would not get it. My gender, yeah, I'm a woman, but I think I had to. So, our family enterprise, like I said, our businesses are in male dominated industries. And I've grown to really dislike that word male dominated because the the insinuation is that women are not supposed to be there. When we when we use that language, it's like you're supposed to squeeze into a room you're not permitted to be in. And I think that's that's absolute nonsense. Um 
you're permitted to be anywhere you want to be in. And I had to really tell myself that. And my race, um, yes. So I think there's a lot of subtle um, unconscious biases, both by people of color and those that are, are not of color. And especially when it comes to wealth. Um, and there's this unspoken rule that people of color are downtrodden economically and are impoverished. And whilst we do have a wealth gap, a racial wealth gap, that gap is not, you know, um, a prophecy or it doesn't dispel or counter the notion that black wealth does exist. And so I had to really ask myself some deep fundamental existential questions and challenge my mindset. And that was a lot of inner work, a lot of inner work to come to the point of understanding what was what was I made for and why did I think I was made for that based on my skill set, my strengths, my experiences, and why, if not me, then who? Um, and that I was essentially paving way and making representation for people that hadn't been identified with wealth publicly, um, but that didn't mean they didn't need assistance. So essentially, democratizing access to those that have been traditionally left behind and forgotten. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. And I just wanted to, I know you, you did share a number of the kind of existential questions that you, that you had to work through yourself, but I was just wondering if maybe you could share a few questions that maybe our listeners could journal on if they find themselves coming up against the same, you know, societal, but also mindset blocks. Mm. A huge mindset block that faces us when we're entrepreneurs is, um, will this fail or will I fail? And I think there's a, an equation in our minds, which is this business fails means I am a failure. And I think Brene Brown distinguishes between guilt and shame. So guilt is saying um, this I feel bad, whereas shame is, I am bad. I think there's a similar kind of nuance when it comes to our framing on failure. Now, the obsession with this aversion of failure is because there's an innate thing within us that we don't want to be rejected, <laughs> our inner persons, right? And there must be a dissociation of your activity from your identity, right? So saying that I'm testing out this business idea, it may fail, but I didn't fail because I have inherent value and I, I have inherent self-worth. And if it fails, so what? I learned. I was listening to a podcast earlier today and ladies building a tech business in the UK for mums. And she was saying how working with engineers was really helpful for her because when she had this aversion towards failure, they were like, there's no big deal. We, as we're failing, we're getting closer to the right answer. And I think if we can have that same mindset, like failure doesn't mean anything. It's just an opportunity to learn, right? You tweak, you test, you move on. And a friend of mine said something to me the other week, which I found really powerful. And she said, as entrepreneurs, it's important that we marry the mission, but date the model. And so we become fixated on the mission, but we're just, you know, we, we hold lightly 
the model. And if the model fails, so be it. We tweak the model and keep trying something until it sticks. So that's what I would, I would, that the whole piece on failure and your identity and your esteem and whether people would laugh at you and whether, you know, um, you would be disappointed in yourself, I think is deeply entrenched within equating your identity with your activity and separating the two and just learning from and enjoying the journey as well I think a lot of the time we do take this thing a bit too seriously it's serious I get it we've invested our time our energy our resources but um just yeah not being so highly strung and so fixated on um the material success um because it's not a 90-day process like Instagram will have us make us believe it's it's a long it's a long journey yeah I love that piece like separating like you know your own kind of yeah your own worth from like your business and um and what what's going on in the business right like is it is it successful is it failing um and also can we um yeah can we look at something that's quote-unquote like failing as a success as a learning experience for instance um something that will help us get to the next um, iteration of our journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I guess my follow-up question to that would be, do you have any other like, uh, tips for, I guess, I don't want to say creating separation from yourself and your business, but mm. I mean, you know, from, from really kind of putting it in perspective, if that makes sense so that you have, you know, your own identity as a person, maybe as a CEO. Um, but then you can also see your business kind of as its own entity. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just, taking time to getting to know you and not measuring you by KPIs, but measuring Mm. you by who you are at your essence. And that is, what do you stand for? What are your values? Like when you're alone with yourself, those thoughts you have towards yourself, like what, what do those sound like? Do you enjoy your company? Do you see the value you bring to other people's lives beyond just like in the business setting, but like your loved ones and your connection and, and the things that you're passionate about in the world, get to know her or him um, separate from in the boss, babe, that's the (laughs) entrepreneur, babe, that's, you know, beasting it. And, you know, is whose ego is growing because she's killing it in her sales this month and she's got her receipts and all this stuff we see on social media. Those are all, those can all fall away as we saw with COVID-19 because there's so much that's outside of your control when you measure yourself by all these things that just are just shaky, right? Rather than stand yourself on who are you and get to know you and fall in love with you or if you don't like you um, and there's elements of your character or your personality you feel need addressing then work on that right I think like life is just a journey of endless mastery and personal development and the opportunity to just reflect on yourself and see okay is there potential for improvement but this is where it gets really dicey because a lot of us entrepreneurs are harsh critics on ourselves Mm-hmm. um we uh we kind of assault our minds with we hurl abuse at, at ourselves all day that we would never dare say to our loved ones right we would treat our loved ones with grace and you know warmth and embrace um, so it's this delicate balance between 
also treating yourself with that love and that empathy and that grace that you deserve, but also appreciating that there may be things that you need to improve. But yeah, I think just getting to know yourself is really important. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that it also really resonates with me because I can definitely be my harshest critic. <laughs> and I think we all need to remember that. We all need to remember to uh, be gentler to ourselves. That's what one of my coaches used to say. Um, yeah. So I guess before we dive into some of the success questions, one last question about, I guess, sort of your journey in business and things like that. So mm-hmm. in terms of working with your family, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I think, you know, a lot of times, you know, most, I feel like some of my guests in the past have worked in family businesses, but I think most of them, you know, probably have their own businesses, but I'm sure that there are listeners out there who are working in family businesses, what would you say are the rewards (laughs) that you've experienced, you know, working um, in um, particularly with your family and your family members? um, And Mm -hmm. how do you maybe navigate some of the challenges or arguments that may, uh, that may come up? Mm. No, I think they're definitely positives of working with family. And I think the media, you know, usually gives us a very bad press, like it's all dysfunctional, it's all like succession and and what have you. But for me, I really enjoyed working with my loved ones. Like I enjoyed, it just felt a lot more meaningful and a lot more purposeful. And I also love the flexibility as a, as, as a young mom. Um, I've got two boys and I know that had I worked in corporate, I definitely would not have been able to be still on the home front and be still at work at the same time, but I had a level of flexibility because it was my business, right? Um, and I also had a level of agency and autonomy that I didn't have in corporate. I could change culture. Like I was literally a director. I was the first female director and I could change culture to ensure that, you know, we had policies that were more mom friendly or we were embracing more diversity. Like there were many things that I could see my fingerprints on the business. Now, yes, there's probably more conflicts than if you work in a corporate because it's family, right? Um, and with family, it's non-linear. With family, it's emotional. With family, we come with expectations, heavy expectations that we don't necessarily place onto other people. But I think it just requires a higher level of emotional awareness and self-awareness to navigate that. Um, it's it's more potentially combative, but doesn't mean it's or it, it is. It's like what's the word? Um, it's more um, has potential to lead to greater conflict, but does not necessarily mean it would because it just requires on the part part of the family um, to be emotionally mature and aware. And so we would do things like what's the kitchen conversation and what's the boardroom conversation and making sure that, you know, kitchen conversations don't happen in the boardroom or boardroom conversations don't happen in the kitchen, trying to delineate the two. And then similarly, um, making sure that when you're having a conflict or a disagreement over a boardroom conversation, you're not really hiding a kitchen conversation because it's a lot easier to fight with your dad over I disagree with you about this business decision you've made but really it's you're never around you don't really care about me and I feel like you neglected me and you prefer my brother right so having that awareness um, to sit with yourself and really question why am I angry in this situation if I was in a third party company if I worked for someone that wasn't dad would I be upset okay 
then that means there's something going on and sitting with yourself and asking yourself those questions and then you know then looking for the right opportunity to address those issues whether it's one-on-one with dad or mom or whomever the person may be or with a third party whether that might be mums mums usually quite um they're the emotional regulators and you know help us with a lot of the madness and family family firms um or a coach or a mediator um I found it really helpful I had a coach for myself and I would take back a lot of my issues to her and she would workshop those with me and gave me the tools to be able to navigate this very blurry world um but I think there's also like I alluded to there's beauty in working with families there's a lot of there's a lot more camaraderie there's and also you can also rely on your siblings for assistance and guidance yeah thank you so much for sharing that I think it's great to to really see the I mean overall yeah mostly positive sides of of working with family I know I do help my dad with his businesses and his marketing and they're they're smaller so it definitely can sometimes be um I think I mean, mostly rewarding, I feel like, you know, overall, but every so often, you know, when he's not like, when he doesn't get back to me or whatever, and I have to like text him, I'll be like, you, know, you need to answer that email. Like, it's not just about family stuff. Like, cause I feel like we will email each other, both professional and personal stuff. So I think mm. sometimes it can get, it can get like mixed up, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let us now dive into some of the uh, success questions for, for the show. So first question, what is your personal definition of success? My personal definition of success is really fulfillment. Really what fulfills you? It's very personal. And for me, I've gone down the path, like when I was in corporate, I thought I was, I was pursuing success the success defined by what society would have expected me to do. Mm-hmm. Someone of my clout, my education, et cetera. And I thought a nine to five, of course, get a nine to five, beast it through that. And, but it was, I, it was so hollow on the inside. I was so unfulfilled. I was so uninspired. And having gotten to know myself over the last 15 years, I understand fully why I didn't fit in, in corporate. Mm-hmm. I'm not made for corporate like not made for accountancy, definitely not. What motivates me, my strengths, my purpose, my passion is just like chalk and cheese, right? So it's really getting to know you, what drives you, what motivates you, what your purpose and your passion is and fulfillment, being fulfilled with that, being fulfilled with actualizing that. That's what I would say success is. Thank you for sharing. All right. So in your business and life, what achievements do you consider to be your biggest successes so far? My biggest achievement so far is I moved to the US last summer after 10 years in Lagos, Nigeria. And it was a huge move. I've never lived in the US before. Raising kids, moved with kids and my husband, figuring out new careers, making new friends, settling into a new community, looking for new business opportunities. And honestly, yeah, I deserve a, a, a bottle of champagne for that. It was a lot of work. Not only the working, the execution, but the work in the mindset mm-hmm. to see the opportunity and not be intimidated by it. And professionally setting up African family firms, which is a nonprofit membership organization 
we are a community to help people of African descent build generational wealth and generational legacies. And I co-founded that with a friend of mine and we pioneered what was not there before and envisioned and committed to building something that was very esoteric in our minds and we didn't have a model to go by. So those for me are the two things I'm most proud of. Amazing. As well as surviving through COVID-19 crap, like mentally, (laughs) mentally more than anything. (laughs) Yes, yes. That's something that we should all be giving ourselves credit for (laughs) so much. Oh my gosh. Well, welcome. Welcome to the US. Um, Where where are you now? I'm in Austin. Let me ask. Oh, okay. Okay. Very nice. Awesome. Mm. And then in terms of your, of your nonprofit, I would love to yeah know a little more and, and how can people find out more about that? Yes. Yeah, that sounds awesome. So we're a community of business owners looking to build legacy enterprises and you can learn more africanfamilyfirms.org and there's more information there. So we have a community, we do a lot of education and training, we do research and also advocacy. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I will, we will definitely have that in the show notes so people can learn more and potentially get involved. So awesome. Awesome. <laughs> okay. So what does your next level of success look like? So this can be also in business and life, sort of where do you see yourself going? This can be short-term, long-term, your choice. Mm. Settling, establishing, mm-hmm. definitely short-term in the next six to 12 months, just feeling settled here. Cause I feel still very happy with the move, but still mm-hmm. just feel a little bit floaty. I just need to settle. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I definitely get that moving like halfway across the world like, <laughs> may, may take some time, but yeah, no, that's awesome. Okay. So what tips, <laughs> I was like, what tips, what advice uh, <laughs> would you give uh, young women who may be just starting out on their journeys or, or in an earlier stage than you are? Mm. Um, beyond the ones I gave on mindset, um, mm-hmm legacy is not built overnight Mm. it takes time um so be patient with yourself and your personal evolution and be patient with whatever it is that you're building whether it's a business or foundation or something it takes time to really understand the market and I would also say link to that spend time understanding in the market just getting to know them and just having conversations and asking questions simple questions just getting into dialogue with them frequently because quite often as entrepreneurs we we build what's in our head and in our heart but it doesn't necessarily translate into a need mm-hmm. but making sure that whatever you're building is driven by an expressed need from a subset of people and staying in dialogue with those people because their needs may change right those would be what I would recommend awesome amazing so with that, mm-hmm. I guess, do you have any, yeah, once again, like tips, advice on, you know, if someone has kind of this idea, but maybe they don't necessarily know where to connect with their market, how can they, how can they get started? How can they figure out, okay, who would best fit sort of my, my idea? Mm. I would say, so you have an idea, you should know, be able to define your market by demographics Mm -hmm. so age sex location income etc 
and psychographics, even more important. And so what you want to do is get a Jackie that fits into the demographic and then sit down with Jackie and ask her psychographic questions and validating questions to gauge whether there's actually a demand for this product or service or what have you. And you can find on databases, on social media, social media is a great one. And you can, there are lots of people that have their whole lives on social media. They literally tell you what they're thinking every day. They tell you what their pain points are on Facebook groups as well of people with common interests, whether it's like young moms or professional this, or and just going in there and just asking, I'm trying to do some market research. I'd love to interview three people that fit this bill. If anyone would be interested, ping me or send me a DM, WhatsApp groups, um, what else? Yeah, people, you'd be, you'd be surprised. People are very generous with their time. So for, I just was wondering if maybe you could give some examples of like psychographic questions, just because I feel like that's a, a concept that we don't necessarily talk about every day. So, mm. <laughs> but it sounds really important. Okay. So for instance, and why this is important is like for marketing and copy, because mm-hmm. you want to make sure that the wording you're using is getting and resonating with your ideal market where Nick is reading it. It's like, oh my God, it's like, she's reading my mind. She's not reading your mind. She's just spent a lot of time like trying to understand what drives you. So for instance, when it comes to products or services, people are either um, aspiring towards a better tomorrow or running away from a potential worse tomorrow if that makes sense so they're either trying to minimize their losses or trying to maximize their gains and the language has to be it's either one or the other and quite you need to make sure that your market is thinking you need to know which of the two they're thinking and align your language that way right mm-hmm. um so for instance you go on a website and they'll be like are you worried about losing everything you've ever worked for do you think about your loved ones fighting at night are you and then da, 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 da. meanwhile what if the market are like why is this ma- why are they so negative on this website mm-hmm. what may resonate with them instead is would you like to learn more about how you can enhance protect the security for your family do you dream of how you can have financial freedom one day and how you can have more time to do the things that you love so yeah the way you, you find that out again is ask so you ask your ideal market like what are your aspirations what are your fears what keep you up at night what keep what in your mind gets you in the way from achieving your aspirations and you would get you tend to have a pattern right from having interviewed three four five of these folks and there'll be commonalities and that's the language you want to be using in like your copy on social media in your emails and what have you awesome amazing that yeah it's so valuable <laughs> um, something yeah we we really need to yeah just get I think more comfortable you know connecting with and asking people those questions especially in the early stages of yeah of our businesses because it can definitely save us a lot of time and energy and struggle later on <laughs> mm-hmm. just so. taking the time to do that research is so valuable honestly mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay so a few final questions before we wrap up in terms of your experience with family business what would you uh, what advice would you give to family businesses like to help them start thinking about legacy planning essentially mm-hmm. and what that would look like yeah don't 
defer this until when you want to retire from your business. Start early and start having conversations around the business, about around money, values, purpose from an early age. And just, you know, the most important thing is to have the intent and to start the conversation. It's a progressive conversation that unfolds over time. So involving your children from as young as they can understand concepts of money. So my kids are six and four. So it's just explaining like mom and dad have to work so you can buy Minecraft, whatever it is you like (laughs) and Ninjago and all these things and explaining what businesses are about. And that's what they can understand with time. Sometimes we explain about our values as well as a family and what have you. But over time, you want to start exposing them to the business because they won't fall in love with what they don't know. And start encouraging them to have conversation on the business, on the future, on the vision, on the values, on the purpose, etc. And through that engagement, you will start to understand which of your children there's a good fit for them to get involved in potential management capacity. But at the very least, they have to be involved as owners because they will be the future owners of the business. And that requires responsibility and involvement to some capacity it's not owning shares in apple it's owning shares in an operational business right which still takes preparation in terms of understanding the industry understanding strategy understanding finance how to read financial statements etc so yeah start early it's not something that just happens overnight yeah awesome very very good advice all right so another thing i know you have kind of briefly mentioned this what advice would you have for others who may have young kids just in terms of you know balancing like work and life and raising children and and all of that stuff as as an entrepreneur but you know also as someone who's clearly you know has a business and Mm. (laughs) and you know so it's kind of I know some people are like oh it's it's like my you know third child or you know whatever it is Mm. but yeah I'm learning. Um, However, what I have learned is we reward ourselves cognitively with activity, right? So your brains wants you to be ticking off something off a list or knowing that you spent 80 hours doing X, Y, Z, but are you really moving the needle? And as young moms that are building businesses, there's a lot of pressure and you have to watch your mental health and your personal care and for me what I do is I I focus on that 20% that moves 80% of the needle and I go all in there and I outsource everything else that I don't have to do for that you know there to be an impact and this is where delegation comes in letting go of your business because there are things that I love to do I love raising invoices I don't know why I just love doing the invoices I love doing the social media I love going in the podcast and like changing all the show notes but guess what I just don't have the capacity and the more I'm getting entrenched in the details of things that other people can be doing the more I'm really eroding my my capacity to tend to me and my capacity to tend to my husband and my kids so it's this yeah so knowing that 80 20 rule and then having a good team like so investing your time in finding talent and nurturing talent so a part of the issue a lot of entrepreneurs are like oh my god I'm stressed I'm stressed I'm stressed I, I don't have time to do abc I need an assistant and then they bring them in and it's like what am I going to give this assistant to do You need to prepare your business for employees and prepare your employees for the business. So you need to have full clarity 
um, not just the fancy job descriptions that you just Googled, but the actual tasks that you'd be giving them Mm -hmm. before you go to hire and have prepared an induction process for them when they come on board so that it's seamless. There will be some level of hand-holding and coaching and guiding in the early stages, but you will eventually hands off and coaching them as to how you like things and you know this is the art and the science as to why we don't like to let go because we think no one else can do it the way we do it and that's true to an extent they may do it better (laughs) they may do it differently you can coach and guide them as to how you like it but also leave room for them to make their stamp on it because Mm -hmm. they may they may bring a perspective and contribute something to your business that would add so much more value than the way you've been thinking about it through the perspective through which you you look at things that's what I would say is really I don't believe we can do it all I think we have to be mindful of our capacity and get as much help both on the home front and also in the business obviously income permitting and things in the early stages it's like you're bootstrapping on your income and your time and your energy and you have to be mindful of how you deploy those yeah yeah that's so important to to think about to plan to prepare (laughs) and yeah and giving yourself that that space and time to to be the best you you can be both in business and also at home so thank you so much for sharing all of that it's been absolutely amazing before we go I just wanted to give you a chance to let us know where we get in touch with you Oh, thank you for having me, Jackie. I really appreciate it. My website would be the best, www.nikeanani.com. There, there's links to my social. I've got a podcast as well and my mailing list as well, if you'd like to join. Okay, amazing. We will have all of those in the show notes. So yeah, that listeners can get in touch if they so choose. So yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Millennial Success Stories podcast. I would love to invite you to join our growing community of fellow millennial women entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs inside our free Facebook group, the Millennial Success Society. I also love connecting with fellow women entrepreneurs on Instagram. Find me at JackieCossop underscore LA. Feel free to send me a DM with any suggestions for future episodes or questions you'd like answered on the show. For all the latest show updates, exclusive resources for our listeners, or to apply to become a guest on the show, please visit the Millennial Success Stories podcast page on my website at www.jackiecossop.com slash podcast. Thank you again for tuning in and I'll catch you next time.